Well, we, uh, we, were, we were going to continue to be in our series in Genesis 32. And uh, through the course of this week, and I'll explain kind of how I arrived at this, the Lord just began to genuinely just shift my heart uh, in, a, in a dramatic way. And I believe that the Lord has something special planned for everybody in this room and everybody at home. And I just want to address a few realities real fast. We live in the South, okay, right? And it's raining outside, which is a universal sign to not come to church. So for everybody that's physically in this room, you survived that treacherous rain and you made it. And I just want to give you guys, let's go. And for everybody at home, uh, we love you. This message is gonna speak to you right where you are. I believe you do not have to be in this room to feel the presence and the power of God. He's not confined by walls, amen. Amen. I also wanna address uh, the sickness that is uh, destroying life as we know it. Uh, Here in our area, there is a significant amount of flu and sickness and stomach bug and this, that, or the other, and and, and all the things we can't say. I know that this week was just an incredible week in the life of our church. Um, We had our volunteer party on Tuesday. If you guys were a part of that, anybody in the room was a part of that, that was awesome. The other half, they're at home sick because Tuesday, as fun as it was, was a super spreader. Uh, And people woke up half dead on Wednesday, but we had the time of our lives. It was incredible. Uh, And then Thursday night, we at the Pursuit Prep, the school we launched a couple years ago, had their big kind of Christmas special for all the parents and family. And it was was epic. I shared a funny little video of of a couple of our staff sons just being themselves. Uh, It was epic. You should watch it. But that also became a super spreader. And even more people woke up sick the following day. And so I know that there is a ton of people at home. Uh, I know that uh, that in those you are here, you're living in constant fear of that sickness. And so you're hugging people from 10 feet away and loving people from a distance. And and I want to just recognize all of that. And I want to say, I believe with all of my heart that God wants to do something epic in your life this morning. I believe in the first service, uh, we ended uh, with an invitation that Jesus gives us in Matthew 11 that we gave to the church and the altars were completely filled up this morning. We had immediate comments and testimonies and messages from people at home that experienced the peace of God and the power of God in a powerful way. And so I wanna tell you up front, I believe that God wants to move in your life today. Um. I'm gonna preach this out of order that I did the first service simply because I did not prepare this message in the way that I normally prepare messages because it, it started to change dramatically as the week went on. Originally, we were gonna, I was going to, to continue in the life of Jacob in Genesis 32 and I was gonna talk about endurance. I was gonna talk about endurance. Endurance is a very, very powerful thing. It's a very spiritual thing. It's something that the Bible continually discusses as a part of our life, as a part of the Christian walk, endurance, uh, not giving up, keeping going. And this was something that, that Jacob, uh, for the first time in his life, he truly learned to endure by holding on to God in Genesis 32 until God blessed him. 
what you see in that is you see that up until Jacob, up to, up to this point, just 30, Jacob would never endure with the Lord. He would, he would at times give God a few seconds uh, to work, but then if, if God didn't move in time or God didn't move the way he thought he would or God didn't, didn't just fix it, Jacob always seemed to take things into his own hands and he would quickly let go of God and do things his own way with his own will. And, but at this point in time, he, he, he had lived enough of his life and his own will and his own way that he finally came to this place in Genesis 32 where he knew that everything that he would ever need, everything that his heart truly desired, every blessing, every good thing that, that he cherished was wrapped up in God. And for the first time, he recognized that. And so he was going to hold on to God until God moved. And I, I felt the Lord leading me months ago to, to talk about endurance in this series. But as I began to pray through that, uh, I, I realized that a large part of endurance, even in scripture, a large part of endurance is just the idea of just keep moving. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. Keep your head down, keep going. Don't give up. Don't let go in, in the context of Genesis 32. But there's a lot about endurance that is, I, I, there's, this, there's this part of me, I, I call it the football coach part of me, like when me and my son and, and Aubrey, we work out about once a week, we go do real workouts, I don't, don't send me an email, you let your kids be trained by iPads and TV time and I'll take my kids to the gym and we'll see who works out better. I've already got a lot of hate mail for that. I think we were built to move, not built to sit, so this, let me raise my kids my way. Anyway, I take them to the gym and I, and I put them through legitimate workouts and, and, and I get in their face sometimes. They respond well to that or they respond to it. Uh, but there's that part of me that's just like, don't you give up, let's keep going, let's just pound it. And I'm clapping, I'm in their face, you know, and they, Hudson especially, he loves it. Aubrey just gets intense and, and I love it. They're my children and I can do what I want. Uh, but it's good. But there, there's, a, there's a large part of endurance that sounds a lot like that. It sounds a lot like, like that culture, that, that work ethic, that grind, that never get up, get up early, beat everybody to the punch. Just, you just gotta put one foot, just don't stop, don't stop, don't stop. And, and, and you could get all excited about that. And I could come in here and we could get pumped up about that. And there's, a, there's some of us that I could, you could leave here for, with a temporary, just we're going to war. And it's all junk, it's all worthless. Because as soon as you get in the car, uh, life hits you. As soon as you get home, life hits you. And, and as I was processing this and praying through this, the Lord reminded me of Elijah. And if you don't know who Elijah is in the Old Testament, Elijah is arguably one of the most powerful prophets that walked the face of the earth. God used him to do things that blow our minds, things that are difficult to believe or comprehend the way that God moved through him. In fact, right before uh, the moment I'm going to share in a minute, right, right before uh, the worst day of his life was probably the greatest victory that he had ever experienced. Elijah was so in tune with God and God operated in Elijah's life with such power that God used Elijah to single-handedly bring the entire nation of Israel back to him while wiping out the entire uh, false religion and the false prophets of Baal, which was demonic worship, uh, and to, to give an act of mercy to King Ahab, who was, by biblical accounts, the most wicked king of Israel. God did all of this in one crazy moment in Elijah's life. Elijah brought all of the people of Israel up on this mountain and all the false prophets of Baal, over 400 of them. Uh, there was a small army even a, a, a beyond that 400, uh, and then the king and all of the king's army. 
And Elijah challenged the, the, the prophets of Baal and these demonic gods. He challenged them uh, to, to basically a, a sacrifice cook-off uh, where they were gonna all create this altar and then whatever God brought fire down from heaven was the one true God of Israel. And if you know the story, you know that Elijah stood humbly and faithfully before the Lord and uh, called fire down from heaven and God responded to Elijah and brought fire down from heaven. And then Elijah, uh, the nation of Israel, uh, gave their, their life basically back to God in this great showing. And then Elijah went to physical war with the prophets of Baal, killed all of them. Elijah was the man, he was, he was epic. Like 24 hours later, He's sitting under a juniper tree, suicidal, ready to give up, and told God, I'm no better than my fathers. Basically, I'm worthless. I'm a failure. Kill me where I sit. How do you, how do you deal with that? How does the most powerful prophet that walked the face of the earth, second probably only to Jesus, in terms of miracles. Um, The most clear, concise, he had nothing but W's, nothing but wins, nothing but victory. Never even tasted defeat, Elijah didn't. And then all of a sudden he's here ready to give up. And what is so interesting to me, if you go and you read the story, when Elijah got to that place where he was ready to give up and he was ready to leave and he felt like a failure and he felt like he wasn't enough and he felt like no matter what he did, it just, it, the, it just never seemed to pan out or work out or wherever, whatever it was that was going on in his mind, he brought that all out to the juniper tree and just asked God to kill him. But God didn't kill him. What God did was made him rest. He made him rest. In fact, he, he fed him some uh, angelic bread. He ate the bread and then he slept. We don't know how long he slept, but it was a long, long time. And then he woke up, God fed him again, and then he slept again for a long, long time. He rested. This was the only way that he made it. I realized that, that according to scripture and what you see in the Bible, what you see in the lives of people, what you see in the life of Jesus himself, The only ones who endure, the only ones who make it, the only ones who keep going, they're the ones who learn how to rest in the presence of God. So the most powerful message I could ever preach on endurance really is a message on rest. And Jesus knew this in an immense way. This is why Jesus continually left the disciples and left the crowds and left the people to just go be alone in the presence of his father. In fact, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane at the, the, the moment when he was the closest to not enduring, the, the moment when he was closest to giving up, the moment when he was closest to not letting his father's will be done, he again went to be alone in the presence of God. And God gave him rest. God sent an angel to comfort him. And he left that moment fully surrendered to the will of God. He endured, and the Bible says in Philippians that he endured the cross for the glory that was set before him. Jesus understood 
Endurance only exists in the life of those who learn to rest in the presence of God. This is why Jesus in Matthew 11, one of the very, very first invitations that he gave to the human soul was rest. It was rest. And this morning, I want to give you that same invitation that Jesus gave us in Matthew 11. And I wanna address a few things along the journey because everything that Jesus says leading up to the main scripture about rest, it highly matters and it's things that we need to hear. And so I wanna look at this in Matthew 11, verse 28. It says, I'm sorry, Matthew 11, verse, starting with verse 25. It says, at that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. So before we even get to the next part, you've got to really understand the weight of what Jesus is saying here. Jesus had just uh, spent the the verses leading up to this basically uh, rebuking all of the cities and all of the people groups that he has spent a lot of time in bringing the message of the gospel, bringing the the love of God, bringing the miracles and the power, bringing all the authority and everything that Jesus brought in, all the healings that Jesus did, great numbers of works, both spiritual and physical in the lives of people, yet the vast majority of them did not uh, turn to him, did not trust in him, did not repent, did not follow him. And and he goes through each of these cities and he's bringing this out. He's, He's really directly addressing, in some ways, the religious leaders and their mindsets. And and what he says here, and this is is extremely important that we get this, not just for today's message, but I think for, for all biblical understanding, he says, I want to thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things. What things? The heart of the gospel, the mystery of the gospel, the deep spiritual things. He says that that you've hidden these things from the wise and understanding and you've revealed them to little children. And so this is not the only time that Jesus says this or addresses this issue. And and it's not the only time even in in, in the gospels and it comes up over and over again in the New Testament. That that there is a a wisdom, an understanding, a way of life, a knowledge uh, that its origins is the earth, it's the culture, it's the age. Sin has influenced us deeply. We talked about this last week, the culture's influenced us deeply. And that you can become so wise in the earth and have so much understanding of the earth that you, you, you can be taught the ways of life from the earth and this blinds you to the deep spiritual truths of God. And he says, the ones that, that are truly blessed, the ones that truly hear the word, the ones that truly receive the kingdom, the ones that truly get the fullness of the benefit of the spiritual things of God, they're like little children who have not gained the wisdom of the earth yet and have not gained the understanding of the earth yet. And they are not so, so blinded by the ways of the world 
that they look down upon or think of foolish or think of stupid, the spiritual things of life. And he says, it's the children, it's the ones with the heart of a child, the mind of a child that, that hears, accepts, and believes and fully trusts that gets the fullness of the benefits of God. He also and if you go and you read the chapters leading up to this and you read the events leading up to this, he is 100% addressing the religious leaders. And in his heart, I believe here, as he speaks in multiple times, is that the religious leaders, the Pharisees, they had so much head knowledge. They had so much knowledge up here. They had so, uh, such a grasp on, on the words of the law and the words of the commandments in the Old Testament. They had such a grasp up here, but that it, it, even though they had all of the knowledge up here, that it never became real down here. And so Jesus says the way that he describes them, he calls them serpents. He calls them a broad of vipers. He calls them uh, a whitewashed tomb. Basically, he says, you're like a grave. You're like the walking dead. You have so much knowledge up here, but none of it is real in here. And so you have a, a bunch of, of, of knowledge, but you have no spiritual power. And it affects you in no way. And so the thing that I, I wanna say this morning up front before we get into the heat of the message and especially before we get to the end, that there is a significant amount of people who attend churches constantly all the time and have for years and they have a ton of head knowledge, but it's never made its way into the depths of your heart. And you've become theologically advanced while spiritually empty. The Pharisees are evidence that this not only can but will happen. The thing that you need to understand about you is that you are more spiritual than you are anything else. There is a deep spiritual world at work in and around us. God is spirit. This is what John, and John 4, this is what Jesus teaches us, that God is spirit, that there is a spiritual reality in a spiritual world. And so if you think that gaining head knowledge is the name of the game then you are a Pharisee and you're not walking with Jesus in the way that he's asked you to walk with him. And if you are afraid of spiritual things, then you're not walking in the way that God asked you because there, there are times, there are times, there's more times than we care to know when we don't need another ounce of knowledge to fill our minds, but we need a spiritual move of God in our hearts. And what Jesus is talking about today and the invitation that he's talking about today, it is a spiritual reality that takes place and that happens. And so at the end of the message today, there's gonna be an invitation, not for you to gain another piece of knowledge to put in your head and walk out the way that you walked in, but for you to have a spiritual moment with Jesus Christ that I believe can change your life forever. And so I wanna look at this. I'm gonna continue down this move. So verse 25, he says, at the time Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. 
So it's interesting that Jesus uses this language because in verse 25, he just said the only one that Father, the Father has hidden these things from the ones who have been trained by the earth. And he's revealed these things to the ones that are like children that just believe here and accept it. And then now here Jesus is again. Now he's saying, listen, if 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 you if you want. To, to see and experience and live out these things, he's about to give you an invitation. He's saying, uh, no one knows the Father except the Son, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and, and the ones whom he chooses to reveal him to. So what comes next, this invitation that comes next in, in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, is those whom Jesus is choosing to reveal the depths of the Father to. So the heart, let me just spoil alert, if you're so wise and you've got so much understanding and you've got things figured out and you know the way of life and, and you've got it all, you're going to miss this invitation. But Jesus says, if you really want this, then I'm telling you to come to me. And this is, this is what he says. This is the invitation to the world. Come to me, verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So Jesus' invitation, verse 28, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Labored and heavy laden. Everyone that is weighed down by the things of this world and the things of life. It ranges from everything from sin to anxiety to unforgiveness to just getting up and dealing with day-to-day -day life and everything in between, but we'll come to that in a minute. The, the thing that I, that I want you to see, though, is that this invitation are for those who are labored and heavy laden. I, I want you to see that, that what Jesus is aware of, Jesus is aware of something that we might not be aware of. That us being labored and heavy laden isn't God's will for your life. Now, I wanna say that again. You being weighed down, you feeling the weight of the pressure that crushes you, you experiencing the burdens that this life offers and places on our backs is not God's will for you. What Jesus says here, and, and I, I preached on this very scripture last year, and the main point of that particular message came out of uh, verse uh, 28 or 29 and 30. It says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And the heart of that is, is that if, if the yoke of Jesus is the only thing that's on your life, then you will have rest in your souls. You will have peace in the depths of your heart. 
And it won't matter the pressure that is around you. You will have peace and you will have rest. If you don't have peace and you don't have rest, then you have been yoked by something other than Jesus. You have inherited another yoke. And just in case you don't know what a yoke is, because I don't think many of us are, are farmers, uh, a yoke is the thing that they place around an animal's neck that is connected uh, to a plow sometimes or a carriage uh, to be able to carry the weight of something. So specifically around oxen, they have these big yokes that they would come up and they would lock around uh, the neck of the oxen and then they would connect that yoke to a burden or they would connect that yoke to a plow or they would connect that yoke to a carriage that would wait. And the yoke was kind of heavy, but then whatever the yoke was attached to usually was even heavier and that was the yoke and the burden. And then the ox would, uh, with the yoke, pull the yoke, and then the plow would do its job, or if they were moving and transporting some, then they would, have, they would have that loaded up. That's what a yoke and a burden is. So this is super common language in this day and age. And, and, and what Jesus is saying is he's saying, now my yoke, my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And so if you're living your life in a way where you don't feel like it's easy and light, then something's off. Something's not as it should be. Something is being yoked to your life that Christ did not intend for you to carry. So what Jesus is saying, he goes, how do you know this invitation's for me? If you are tired in the depths of your soul, this invitation's for you. If you have more anxiety than you do peace, this message is for you. If you feel like every single day it's all you can do just to keep going, this message is for you. If you feel like there are days when you're just gonna break down and cry, this message is for you. If you get home and have to sit in the garage for five minutes just to prepare yourself to walk in and deal with life, this message is for you. If you feel like you just cannot get ahead, this message is for you. If you feel labored and heavy laden in the depths of your soul, this invitation is for you. And so I, 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 wanna, I wanna talk a minute about those yokes that rest on all of us, the things that weigh us down. And I wanna start with the first and greatest weight that you were never, ever meant to carry. And what I'm about to say is for everybody in the room or everybody at home or everybody that might listen to this message that you don't know Jesus yet. You haven't put your faith in Jesus yet. You haven't received salvation from Jesus yet. The greatest, most heaviest burden that the human soul carries is the weight of sin in your life. Unforgiven sin. This is a weight that you were never meant to carry. Your body is not meant to carry it. Your mind is not meant to carry it. Your soul is not meant to carry it. You're not meant to carry sin. You were not created for sin. You were created for God, but we're born into sin because of the ways of the world. And that sin is a heavy, heavy, heavy burden in this life. And what Christ came to do, what the Father sent Jesus to do, was to call attention to the weight of that sin, to call attention to that reality. Because those who are born into sin but that do not know Jesus, the only hope that they have in this life is whatever it is that they could do in this life to make themselves feel significant or to make themselves feel good or to make themselves feel like they have some type of self-worth. 
But what happens, and Solomon talks a lot about this in Proverbs and especially in Ecclesiastes, the thing that we all have to understand is that no matter what you think life is about and no matter what you think success is and no matter what you ever achieve or build or acquire in this life, no matter what you do to try to distract yourself away from the emptiness that exists in the soul of every unbeliever or what you try to do to try to acquire some type of worth, death is gonna steal all of that from you. Death's gonna take that from you. And right on the other side of death, what that sin, the weight of that sin, it's going to eternally separate you from the God who created you. And there is an abyss of darkness that awaits every single person who does not put their faith in Jesus and goes to the grave with unforgiven sin in their flesh. And God loves you so much that he does not want you to carry the weight of that sin in this life and he definitely does not want you to carry that sin into the grave because he wants to be with you not just in this life but forever. And so God sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to this earth with a message, not just of love, but a message of love and a message of power. It's one thing to say I love you and it's another thing to prove it by dying for you. And Jesus Christ came for three years. He came to uh, release this message into the life and the heart of every single person who would ever live, what we would call the gospel message, the good news, that God the Father created you, God the Father loves you in spite of your sin, and that he sent his only begotten son to die on a cross to carry the weight of your sin into the grave, defeat the grave by his resurrection, and then make it possible for every single single person who has ever lived to know the Father, not just to be in any relationship with the Father, but to be a son and to be a daughter. This is the heart of the gospel. You were not meant to carry the weight of sin. This is why Jesus Christ came to die on a cross so that he could remove that sin from your life. And I want to encourage every single person in this room or at home that ever listens to this message that if you have not given your life over to Jesus Christ and you are feeling the weight of unforgiven sin, I want you to know that Jesus has already paid the price, and today is the day of your salvation if you will give your life over to him. The only thing that is preventing you from being forgiven is you asking forgiveness from Jesus. The price has been paid. That's the heart of the gospel. That is the most weightiest burden that exists in this life. It's the weight of unforgiven sin, but Jesus has paid the price, so give it to him. Be forgiven. Walk in that freedom and prepare your heart for an eternity that you can't imagine. But I wanna take that just for a minute. I'm gonna put that to the side. And now I wanna speak to the believers in the room and I wanna speak to the believers at home because there is a great weight that rests on all of us. Uh, Sin, unrepented sin in the life of a believer is a heavy weight. And I know that you want a perfect pastor, but I'm not one. And I have gone through seasons in my life. I've been walking with the Lord since I was 16. I've been preaching since I was in my teens. I've been pastoring this church since I was 25. And God has had to deal with a lot in my own heart and my own mind. And I'm telling you that unrepented sin is the the key source of anxiety and a lack of peace in our life. 
And so every single believer in this room, if you have unrepented sin in your life, it is going to take your peace from you. Eventually, it will take your joy from you. If you let it go on, it could take everything from you. Christ has already died. You're already forgiven. And there comes a time when you have to recognize the weight of that unforgiveness sin and realize that 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 unrepented sin that exists in your life, even as a believer, is never going to allow you to have peace in this life until you bring it to the Father and confess it and repent of it and lay it down and walk away from it. The beauty of Jesus is that Jesus did not, or God the Father did not just give us a savior in Jesus. He did not just give us a king in Jesus. He did not just give us a victor in Jesus, but he gave us a high priest in Jesus as well who sympathizes and empathizes with your struggle because he's walked the same path you walked, though he remained perfect. So he does not judge you. He does not, he does not hate you for it. He does not look down upon you. The way that he sees you as someone who has been trapped by the darkness of this world and he wants to set you free. He's not waiting to kill you for your sin. He was already killed for it. He's waiting for you to come to him so he can not just give you forgiveness, but that he can remove the weight of that and put that peace and that rest back in your soul. So if you're sitting here this morning or you're at home and you have unrepented sin in your life, this morning is the morning to let that go and give it to God. But I want to take that just for a minute. I'm going to move it over here because there is a significant amount of burdens that are not sin. There's a significant amount of burdens that are just life. Elijah wound up under the tree suicidal and it had nothing to do with sin and everything to do with the pressure and the weight that he was carrying on his life. I think sometimes we we forget about the weight of things dealing with life, dealing with marriages. I know that the enemy is working overtime to destroy marriages, and I know that there's marriages in this room right now and marriages at home right now that you're on your last leg and you fought and you feel like you can't fight anymore and you feel like the only thing left to do is to walk down to the lawyer's office and end it. And what I am telling you right here and right now is that weight and that burden that comes from that, you are not meant to carry by yourself and that if you do not learn to release that and give that to Christ and you continue to carry the weight of your own marriage alone with Without the Spirit of God helping you, eventually it will end because you will give up if you don't find rest for your soul. And while we're talking about that, I know it's Christmas time, and I know that one thing that Christmas does is it exposes the weakness in our familial connections. And I know one or two or three percent of the people in this room and at home that y'all have a perfect family and everybody's emotionally healthy and we super love you, but that's not the story for 97% of us. Can I get an amen? Amen. And sometimes it's a little comical, but there's also a weight that comes to dealing with family conflict that weighs on our heart, our mind, and our soul, and it breaks us sometimes. I know that there is a weight that comes from that. I I know the dealing with the hurt and the pain. I know things like unforgiveness will weigh down the human soul faster than anything else. I know that there are people in this room, I know that you have been deeply hurt, betrayed, in a thousand ways by people. And I know that it's so hard to bring that and lay that before the Lord, but I am telling you right now, the person who hurts you has already moved on in life. Forgive them, not for their sake, but for your sake, so you can find freedom and rest. Unforgiveness creates a prison around your soul, around your heart, around your mind. 
This is why Christ teaches us about unforgiveness. It's truly not for their sake. It's for your sake to find freedom in it. And I know that there's some people in the room where your friend lied to you. And then I know there's some people in the room where your friend deeply hurts you. I know there's some people in this room where you were scarred physically, sexually, mentally, emotionally abused. I know that your wounds are deeper and greater. And I know that it's even harder to bring forgiveness for that. But I am telling you, forgiveness is a part of your healing process. And today could be a day that you find rest for that. One of the things the Lord laid so heavy on my heart this week to the point that I sat in my office and I prayed in tears. The Lord just put single parents, especially single mothers, on my heart this week. I know that if there's any season where single parents feel the pressure, it's seasons like right now around Christmas. I grew up in a single parent home. I grew up with a single mother and I know the pains and the, and the struggles and the feelings of being alone and feeling like you're doing it all on your own. And I know the weight of that and your heart was never meant to carry that. I know that. And Jesus knows that. I know that there's just life that happens. If I can just be vulnerable and open with you this morning, I know that the last three months in my own life have been some of the hardest that I have ever experienced. The pressure that's been on my own life has just been insane. We're doing so much with the church. We, we launched the school. We're having to work through all that stuff. We've got a building project. We've got a thousand ministries. There's so many of you guys, and I love you, but man, it's hard leading y'all sometimes, if I'm just being honest. Like it's just being a pastor is just difficult. But whatever it is that you're doing with your life is difficult. It's just, it's just life, it's just the pressure of life. But one of the things that I've seen and that I've toiled with God in my own heart is that pressure's never gonna go away. But that Christ offers us peace and rest in the midst of pressure if we learn how to bring it to him. And I've experienced like the weight of stress, man. Like, like this week was just, just some great things and some horrible things. I, the weight of just like hurting your child, like this, this week, and I know this may be like nothing to you, but it's substantial to me. I, I got a, a rule in our house, like I don't break pinky promises. When I make a pinky promise, hell or high water, I deliver. And in six years of my son's life, I've never broke a pinky promise until this week on Tuesday. And when it hit him that I wasn't gonna be able to do what I said that I was gonna do, he broke down and cried and he held on to me and he said, you broke a pinky promise and it shattered my soul. The things that I've had to deal with the last few weeks, I, just again, full vulnerability, Tuesday night going to the volunteer party, I was there for you guys. I wanted to love on y'all. I, I wanted to cherish you guys. I wanted to have high energy, but I was dying inside. And so I spent a lot of time in prayer and, and drank 500 milligrams of caffeine to make sure I was present. But on the way there, I got invited to stop by the hospital and pray for a man who was, who, who was in the process of dealing with cancer that, that could easily take his life any given day. I don't wanna say a dying man because his spirit is one like I've never seen. And I don't wanna say that he's dying because in his mind, he's not, there's still a future. But he asked me and another buddy to come pray. And so on the way to the volunteer thing, I went in, I went to pray for him. And as I walked in, I saw my friend in that bed and just the way that he looked and that weight on me like I'd never expressed. 
I've not been sleeping good. Anybody else not been sleeping great? Am I the only one suffering about? To the point like Friday night, I, I, I couldn't sleep in it like 18th night in a row, something like that. And I was so tired on Saturday, I, got, I, I could barely focus. And I was so tense. And I, I wanted to have a Saturday afternoon to try to be our family day. And I wanted to try to be there for them because I, I didn't get to see them a lot this week because of church stuff. And, and so we all went out and we went shopping and, and, and went out to eat. And, and I was so stressed and I was so tired. I, was, I just was being, I was just losing my temper. I was just being, not having any patience. And I made Courtney tear up, which destroys my soul. But then we were sitting around eating pizza and my little three-year-old baby randomly said, Daddy, why are you being mean to everybody? And again, just crushed. <laughs> the thing I'm trying to get you guys to see is like being alive on this earth is hard. We have economic instability. We've got wars and rumors of wars happening before our eyes. It seems like our country's falling apart everywhere we look. It seems like there's, there's so many things to worry about and so much sickness and so much tragedy. Tragedy is another one the Lord just laid so heavy on my heart. I know there's people in this room, myself included, we've lost people close to us. And there's some of us that have lost children and parents and grandparents and siblings and that, those wounds Life's never gonna be the same. God can bring peace and God can bring healing, but I know the weight of some of that. And as I just started this week, as the Lord just started putting all these things on my mind, I know that every single person in this room, I could stand up here and continue to just lay out life and eventually I would hit something that you are walking through and dealing with. And what I want you to know, whether it's sin or it's, it's anxiety or it's worry about something or it's just the pressures of life. I know that so many people, if not 100% of us, we are weary, laden, and burdened down by this life and everything that is this life. And the, the overall invitation to Christ is you're not meant to carry that. You're meant to bring that stuff to me and I will carry it with and for you. And I will give rest to your souls, peace to your heart. You can't control your children. You can't control family stuff. You can't control jobs and careers. You can't control economic states. You can't control what people say and do. You can't control if you can't sleep. You can't control things like you just, you can. And Jesus says, whatever it is, bring it to me over and over and over and over and over again, whether it's sin or it's struggle or it's circumstantial or it's, it's unforgiveness or it's whatever, anxiety. He says, you bring that to me. Bring that to me and let it go and I will bring peace and I will bring rest to your souls. And I think this happened in Chicago. I remember reading it several years back. I think it was Chicago. There was a, a sanitation strike uh, in, a, in a huge portion of the city. And so only like, I guess it was two different unions and one went on strike and the other one didn't. And so what they did was they, they could get all of the trash from the city to this one spot and the system was they would take all the garbage and all the trash, they would load it onto these massive boats and then the boats would ship it up 
uh, to this one area, well, then it would be released, then it would be offloaded, then it would be burned and dealt with. Well, those that they released it to and burned and dealt with the trash, those were the ones that were on strike. And the ones that, that were gathered it from the city and put it on the ships and the ships themselves, they weren't on strike. And so you had this situation where you started having all these boats getting piled up with garbage. And normally you pile them up with garbage, you take it, you release it, then you come back and you get more. Well, they couldn't do that because there was nowhere to release it, there was nowhere to go. And nobody knew how long the strike was going on. So the strategy that they chose was we'll just keep moving the ships, we'll pile it as high as we can possibly get it. And then they'll just sail up and down the river until the strike ends. It's the only thing they could do. And so they kept, every couple of days they would refuel and, and, and restructure the ships so that they could, they could just keep moving up and down with all the garbage and all the trash. Eventually all of the boats filled up and all of the boats filled up so much that they started breaking down not being able to carry the weight that was on them. And one of them eventually sank in the river. And one of the things the Lord just put on my heart this week is that that's how so many Christians tend to live their life. Instead of bringing these things to the feet of Jesus and releasing it, we treat our time with God or we treat church or Sunday morning just like a refueling. I'm about to give up, but I'm just gonna come get refueled, come get re-energized, and then it's enough just to keep you going for another couple days or another week until you can come back in and get refueled. But eventually, if you don't learn how to release that garbage in the trash, it will sink you. Because you were never, it, that, like those boats weren't built to carry that weight. You were not built to carry the weight that you were under. This is why Jesus isn't just the Son of God, isn't just the Savior, isn't just the King, isn't just the High Priest, but that He is everything you would ever need. And so this morning, I wanna give us this invitation. And the reason that I talked about the spiritual part of this earlier in the message was there are times when we need God's Word in our minds, and our hearts. But then there are times when we need a moment with Jesus himself. And this morning is a moment when we need Jesus. And we need to learn to release this stuff to him. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna end the message today with an opportunity for you to come up to the front and to lay whatever it is down if you've sat here this morning and I started talking about the gospel and I started talking about the weight of unforgiven sin and, and putting your faith in Christ and you feel overwhelmed by that and there's something going on in your heart, that is the Holy Spirit shining the light of Jesus and bringing conviction to your heart. That is God's invitation for salvation. Give yourself and your life to Christ today. He will save you right here. I promise at home, I promise. But for those of you, you've got unrepentant sin in your life and you wanna be forgiven and release that to God, today's the day to do it. If you've got struggle and anxiety in your life, today's the day to just bring it to God. If it's just life, if you are a single parent, if it's been like me and it just feels like no matter what you do, it's not enough and no matter how hard you go, it just feels like you're not gonna make it and you just need to weep under a juniper tree like Elijah did, today's the day to do that. But there is something powerful 
in bringing whatever it is in your heart and in your mind, bringing this to Jesus today, laying it before his feet, releasing it, and asking Jesus to give us peace and asking Jesus to give us rest for our souls. And I wanna do that this morning. The first service is completely filled up. I want you to know it's okay to be the first one to come up here and it's okay to be the last one to come up here. It's okay. But I wanna encourage you, don't think about what other people think. Even if it's your first day or you come from a church that, that you just all you do is just sit in a pew and this idea of coming to the front is foreign to you, I'm telling you right here, there's something powerful about stepping forward in faith and bringing it to God and I want us to do that. I'm not gonna give any special invitation, I'm just gonna leave it up to you. Right now, if you have something in your life and you need Jesus, just get up out of your seat and come to the front and don't be afraid. I'm gonna say a short prayer over us, over the life of our church, and then let you spend a few minutes with Jesus. If there is anything in your heart and in your life, if you are hungry for peace, if you are weary, laden, and overburdened, and you need a move of God in your heart and in your life, come give it to Jesus right here. If you are at home, stand up off your couch, walk two feet forward, and Christ will meet you right there in that moment. I wanna give just a second for everybody to come and then I'm gonna pray. Don't miss this moment. Don't miss this moment. If you wanna come as I pray, feel free. I'm gonna start to pray. Jesus, I just come before you, Lord. Father, before anybody else, Lord, I need this message. Lord, I need soul, rest. I need peace in my own heart, Lord. Father, every single person that has come down to the front, every single person at home that has stepped forward, Father, I know whatever burden they're carrying, they were never meant to carry that burden. I know, Lord, that if there is any sin, God, in the lives of our people this morning, that you've already died for that sin. I pray, Lord, that in faith they would lay it before you, they would confess it to you right here and right now, God, and that you would give them peace in their heart and freedom from it. I pray, Lord, for every single person, God, that is just overburdened by life, for every single mom in the room that's doing every single thing she can, every single dad in the room who is fighting tooth and nail just to make it to the next day, I pray, oh Lord, that you would bless them immensely, that you would give them a sign of your goodness, Lord, that they would feel the peace in the depths of their soul, that they would know that they are not alone, that you are with them. I pray, Lord, for every single person in this room that's dealing with mental health issues, God. I know, oh Lord, that this culture and this age and the ways of this world, God, we weren't supposed to carry it, Father, and I know that it has broken so many of our minds in so many different ways. And I pray, Lord, for every person that struggles with different types of mental health, God, that this morning, Lord, you would bring rest to their souls and that you would give them peace, God, that you would bring healing to their minds. And I pray, Lord, for every marriage, God, Father, that seems like there's no hope in it. God, I pray, Lord, that they would know in the depths of their heart if there's breathing, there is always hope in Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord, that they would not stop fighting for each other and fighting for that marriage. And I pray, Lord, right here and right now, God, as they bring that reality to you, God, that you would give them rest in their souls and peace in their heart. 
I pray, Lord God, for every person that is dealing with family conflict and dealing with issues and, and struggles and pain and turmoil, God, I pray, Lord, that you would bring peace and rest to them, God. I pray, Lord, for every person in the room that is dealing with tragedy in their hearts and loss, God, that you would bring healing to them, God, and that you would let them know, Father, that this life, this life is not everything, God, that this life is temporary, God, and the true hope is about tomorrow. And I pray, Lord, that in this moment, as they bring that broken heart to you, God, that you would give them rest and that you would give them peace. I pray, Lord, right now for every single person that's just living life, that's just dealing with the pressures of life that just feels like they're not enough, like Elijah, that just feels like no matter how hard they try and how many decisions they make, it just seems like they go one step forward and three steps back. I pray, Lord, right now that you would just give them peace, God that you would bring rest to their souls. I pray, Lord, for every single man and woman. I pray, Lord, for every single person in this room and at home, God, whatever it is that's in their heart, God, even if they don't even know what it is, God, if they just know they've been so stressed they can't think straight, God, and they don't have a reason, they just know they need your rest, God, I pray that you would bless them this morning. I am thankful, Lord, God, that you didn't give us just a book, that you didn't give us just words, God, that you gave us life in these words. I'm thankful, Lord, that you are a living, breathing Jesus, that you are a resurrected King, and that you are the answer to every issue that we will ever face or experience. I thank you, Lord, that in moments like this, God, that you mark our lives with your power and your presence and your peace. God, even as I sit here, I hear the weeping of your people, God. I pray, Lord, that you will bring substantial peace to them, rest to their souls and comfort them, God. I'm not even asking you for situations and circumstances to change, God. I'm not asking for the pressure on my life to dissipate. That pressure is my calling, God. I'm asking you to give me peace and rest so that I continue to move forward in you, Lord. I pray, Lord, that every person who's come to that place that Jacob came to, that I can't make it without you. I pray, Lord, that you would bless us this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. I pray once and for all, bring rest to every soul in this room and every soul at home. Let us bask in your presence and your peace and your glory. In your holy name, amen. Feel free to stay as long as you like. We're gonna go to worship.